I think even though COVID has destroyed our economy for the most part, I think that if we can start to focus on the positive things that COVID made us do as business owners, I think we can see how that will improve us in the future because now we're learning to cut the excess, sticking to things that are profitable, sticking to things that we can do. And because we've started moving some of our services to a virtual platform, I believe that we don't lose those once we have a vaccine. I don't think we stop offering virtual. I think that it's provided us a new way, a new customer, a new way to bring in the money. I'm Colin. And I'm Megan. And this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional, Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Friday episode. Megan and I wanted to do a series on how the conferences of 2020 have changed in response to COVID and spend some time talking about some big picture ideas as far as state of the industry and what the road forward looks like. So today, Carmen Rusenbeck, founder and CEO of IBPSA, joins us to share how they've adapted to the change, what they've been doing during this time for pet sitters, and what the road forward looks like and some of the opportunities that she sees on the horizon. My name is Carmen Rustenbeck. I am the founder and CEO of International Boarding and Pet Services Association. We're a 501c6. Um, Our focus is on education and helping small business owners who happen to care for pets uh, establish a profitable business. And we do this education via online learning, uh, conferences and trade shows, um, webinars once a month, and sort of short educational courses that are maybe two days long, and we meet in the city, and we focus on one specific business idea. So that's what we do here as IBPSA. And we actually had you back on our show way back in episode 26 in February, or seven years ago, it feels like at this point. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and and that, that show was all about what conferences, and you were talking to us about your 2020 conference uh, that, and how people could get prepared for it and what all was going to be included. But there's been some change in plans. And so uh, I was curious uh, wh- how the conference has changed in response to COVID and what you guys are doing with that. Yes. So um, once we realized that this COVID thing was going to be a long term, we realized that there was no way we would get people to travel to a brick and mortar conference in Orlando, Florida. Um, Beautiful facility we were going to have conference at, but with so many shutdowns of businesses um, across the United States and around the world, um, we we realized that right away a brick and mortar conference wasn't going to happen. So we then decide to make an adjustment to a virtual conference. Well, as you can imagine, as virtual conferences become more popular, there's more and more applications in which to do a virtual conference. So while we worked out to get our release from our contract, we started looking through the multiple virtual conference applications that were out there. And three weeks ago, we found an application called FeedLoop. And so we felt that this was the best way to put a conference on um, and not contribute to what we call the Zoom fatigue, (laughs) (laughs) which is really a real thing. So uh, we, we said, okay, in a normal conference, 
we start at seven in the morning and we go to seven at night, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then half day on Thursday. There's no way we're going to be able to do that. So now the conference is scheduled, the actual conference itself is scheduled from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on the same date, September 29th, 30th, and October 1st. So shorter hours. Basically, the first part of the conference will be your hour and a half session, which are mostly working uh, sessions. So you're actually face-to-face with your instructor and you've got little things you have to do and then you come back and you touch base. Then the last two hour of the classes are actually one hour classes including Q&A. And this has allowed us at this point to set up around 32 sessions in that short amount of time. The other thing that makes it better in some ways is that when you go to a conference brick and mortar, you only get to choose the class you're in. You can't divide yourself, replicate yourself, and go to every class that's being offered. So you walk away with, uh, from conference with a very select set of classes that you've attended. With this virtual setting, I think what has been really exciting about it is that the classes will be open until March 31st. So you go to the class you want to be live in, and then you have till March 31st of 2021 to catch the rest of those classes. So that actually brings more value to the attendees. Yeah, I, I, that's really good to hear because like you said, you go and you try and pick your tracks or pick the topics that you want. And every now and then there's one where you go, oh, that didn't fit exactly what I wanted. Or, man, I right. really go back and see those other five. And this sounds like <laughs> it's a great, it's a, or all of them for, in, in most cases. Right. Uh, it sounds like a great way that to attend the ones you want to immediately, but then you have that time yes. to have that extra resource for until March 31st. There are positive things that come out of moving conference virtually in a response to COVID, which, of course, made it impossible to do anything in a brick and mortar with the six feet apart thing. But the other thing that it brought was that this particular application that we're using for a virtual conference also allows you to see all the contact information for every speaker. So let's say that you don't get to see a specific class during the live conference, but you view it afterwards and you need to get a hold of that speaker. That contact information is in the application for you to reach out and get a hold of that speaker if you have follow-on questions. So that makes it even more beneficial to attendees because before you may or may not have that information to the speaker who taught a class, but now you will. Yeah, because I remember in our conversation about the in-person conferences, just the immense importance of ability to network and providing those yes. opportunities. So it sounds like that those those kind of things are still there and still provided in even a more enhanced way. Yes, at down to in the application we're using, you can you'll see everybody who's an attendee. So let's say that. I see you are at conference call and you and I haven't seen each other in two years and I want to touch base. I can actually click on your name and say, Colin, I'm here at the conference. Can we get together and have a chat? And you can say, yes, it allows you to either do that via a chat box where you're typing to each other, or we can say, hey, let's go in person and you click a button and we're face to face and our computers looking at each other. And now we can talk in person one-on-one. And you can do that at any time in the conference. You can hit that button and make that happen. So networking is instantaneous now. Now you can see somebody you want to talk to. You can 
uh, type them a message. Are you ready? If they say yes, you can click the button, you're face-to-face. Um, so that is fantastic. It's the same way on the exhibitor floor with this application. When you go to the exhibitor floor, you can go into a booth. If you want to talk to that person face-to-face in the booth, you can ask them, can we talk face-to-face? And you'll be able to do that right away. You'll be able to watch videos, download information that they've loaded in their booth. So that makes the networking part really, really easy. What we are hoping that the application will have done by the time conference comes around is that you will be able to do that with multiple people at the same time. So if I'm talking to you and Natalie comes along, I can say, oh, Natalie's here. Let's invite her. And so we can bring Natalie in. Now we have a three-way conversation all face-to-face happening and we haven't left the application. Wow. Yeah. And and the reason I was glad that we were talking about that is because that is the one thing, networking is the one thing that people take away from conferences every single year is their ability to see friends, get connected. And to have that still preserved through this and yes. that, that idea of having even multiple people in a group discussion is, is very uh, reassuring. Yes, absolutely. And we've also built into our sessions, we've built in some roundtables and some meet and greet. And we're actually going to do that where you'll walk into a room and that room will actually be a Zoom room where everybody can see each other and talk. So we've built this into our conference setting so that not every class is uh, necessarily has an instructor. You may go into a room where it's a roundtable discussion with a facilitator. So everybody's sitting there talking to each other and you can see each other on Zoom just like you normally would. So we're trying to make this as interactive as we can um, and keep people's attention. Also this year, we've never done this before. We have two MCs who will be handling the whole conference from beginning to end. So they'll start the conference off every day in between class sessions. They'll have 15 minutes where they'll talk about all the class sessions that just happened, all the new ones coming up. They'll do that for every 15 minutes. And at the end of the day, they'll wrap it all up in a nice, pretty bow, get you set for the next day. And then they repeat that on Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah, it's really cool. You were able to lean into the platform and say, okay, how can we even make the interactions, the networking, the access to information better in some instances than it was before? And having those MCs, I'm sure, is really a, a game changer for you. It is. It is because our MCs now, they have to be familiar with all the speakers and all the content so that they can speak with skills and understanding of what's coming up next. Especially, you know, there's right now we have it set up so there's five classes running at a time. That's a lot to have to cover in 15 minutes. But if they can give you highlights, tweak your interest, oh, I might choose to go to that class after all. You know, it might, it might give you a better choice um, as you move forward with the planning. The other thing is, is the trade show floor is going to be what we call gamification. So people are going to be able to earn points to win prizes uh, from the trade show floor. So I think that's going to be sort of fun. Also, we've never done gamification, even in our brick and mortar exhibitor floor. So we're sort of excited to see how that works out. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of really cool stuff going on. So I'm, I'm yep. curious about how this changes your outlook for you know next year conferences or conferences down the road. How does this going through this process change how you view future conferences? I think it has uh, really expanded our understanding about how people learn and what is the best way to help people learn, whether that's in person or virtually. So for 
for us, next year, our conference will be in September again, and we had to change the date to work around uh, holidays and whatnot. But if we can go brick and mortar, it will be at Rosen Shingle Creek in Orlando, Florida, just like it was planned for this year. But we're also going to add a virtual conference to it. So we will pick certain things that we're going to record at the brick and mortar conference, and then we'll pick things that we're going to present live, and we'll use our current app to do that with. Also, our exhibitors that are on the trade show floor at the brick and mortar will also be in the virtual conference trade show floor. So they'll basically be in two different trade show floor positions. So it'll take a little bit more uh, more people on the trade show floor virtually for them to manage that. But our goal is we now recognize that there's a lot of people, first of all, that never have the finances to buy the airplane ticket pay the hotel expense and any miscellaneous, including breakfast and dinner. And so they're never going to be able to come, but they would have the money to just get on and see it virtually. Then for those sessions that are recorded, those recorded sessions would be available to not only the attendees, but the attendees virtually so that everybody's going to benefit from the new way of thinking about things. So you can go be in person, you can hug necks, kiss babies, see people you haven't seen in forever and choose courses that you want to go to live. But then after conference is done, you can go and watch all the recordings. So it's big bang for your bucks now. We've just increased the ability to educate people whether they can actually come to Florida or not. Yeah, it sounds like this, what is kind of a, you know, it's a situation nobody really wanted to be in, but it's mm-hmm. it's allowed you guys to take and make things more accessible and make the entire experience better from start to finish. Absolutely. Even our after-conference, so for our members, we're doing it after-conference sessions. And these after-conference sessions will be, okay, you went to conference and you went to these 30 or you've watched these 32 programs. How do you implement some of the things that you've just learned? Because that's another challenge that we thought, wow, through the virtual application, we can we can address this. I've gone to conference. I've taken all these notes. Now I'm back home. I'm in my business. How am I going to implement? What should I implement first? And we get sort of overwhelmed. All the information was good, but how do we implement that in our business? So we are providing some after education to help people think through certain areas about implementation and help them get started to make 2021 better than they had in 2020. Now, all this talk about sessions and uh, educational opportunities, remind us of some of the topics and some of the presentations being given and what to expect while they're while you're attending. Yeah, so we have this year, so far we've divided it up into oh I eight or nine different areas. So we have areas of business operations, and this is about how you're functioning in your business, whether that be how you're taking care of yourself legally with your branding, how you have set up your business for success. We have one family, the last name is Emkin. They have a brick and mortar boarding facility. They were our IBI winners. And IBI is our annual awards for the best of the best in 2019. They've been in business for over 25 years. And they're going to talk about how they've been able to keep people motivated going forward. Then we have a person speaking on fear-free. It's really a, a big subject now in the industry. How do we take care of pets in a way that does not cause fear? And so we have somebody coming to speak on fear-free. We have two speakers coming to talk about employee wellness 
in your business. We have somebody coming to talk about HR. We have add-on services being discussed. If you want to start adding dog walking to your business, how would you do that? And is there a certification for dog walking? So we have a speaker coming in for that. We have Joe Zuccarelli coming in to talk about if you want to start adding on the service of grooming. What does that look like and how do you get the training for that? We have people talking marketing. We have a person coming in to talk about business planning from the ground up. I want to open this business. How do I do the research? How do I get the financing? We have six speakers talking on animal wellness. We have some industry insights. I have two speakers who've done their own surveys. One, um, it has this is her second year of doing a pet owner survey. What do pet owners really want? She's had some great insight. A lot of good questions for her class. And then we have Mark Sherman, who is who went to everybody's Facebook page. And he started doing surveys on Facebook page. Exactly how well was Facebook getting the information out to the clients in their area? He came back with some really interesting information. Then we have uh, Mark Cushing, who has written a book about how we've changed as Americans toward our pets. That book comes out in September. So he's going to give us some insight into what is happening in the pet industry worldwide and how our focus has changed. We have a section on leadership. We have two keynotes. Our opening keynote is Jan Spence. She is the first professional female football player in America. So that's sort of fun. And then we'll end our session with a keynote, Dr. Knott, who's going to be giving a very, very short keynote about how to maintain excellence in your business. And that goes along with our IBI Awards, which will be the last session on Thursday, we'll be able to see all of our new IBI Award winners and bring them on so people can celebrate with them. Then, of course, we have roundtables and we have happy hours. And Monday night, we have our meet and greet on our virtual trade show floor like we normally do. So we'll be out and about shaking hands virtually, uh, making face-to-face contact and starting the conference off really in a Big Bang sort of a way. We are actually trying to have a wine tasting session. We just can't figure out how to make that work yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I'm so glad that all those are going to be available till March because it's just jam-packed with so much stuff. And to be able to go back and re-watch certain things yes. too. Is going to be really great. Absolutely. And and so with all of that, and I know in our previous discussion, we talked about how to prepare for an in-person conference. So I was wondering if you had some tips about how to prepare for a virtual conference. I actually do. I think it's very important that you you recognize that you're taking this two to six Eastern time to set aside for yourself. And you so I say get yourself comfortable. Uh, make sure you have water or whatever it is you need to drink. You've got some snacks that, and you're in a quiet place so that you can really concentrate on what's going on. Because even though it's only four hours, there's going to be a lot of texting, meeting people, maybe sitting in a class, maybe getting into a class to say, oh, this is not the right one. Let me move over to this other class. So there's going to be a lot of things going on that is going to what you're going to want to pay attention to. So I think the quiet place, making sure you have water, that you have snacks, and that uh, you you have a notepad and pen, and you're ready to go. And to help you with that, uh, IBPSA is putting together the swag box instead of your swag bags, swag box. And for every person who uh, attends conference, they'll get a box in the mail. And that box will be the uh, have a magazine 
which will have everything that's going to happen. We'll have, we're hoping to have a pen and paper in there for you, a screen cover where you can turn your camera off or on with your little slider of a cover. Um, <laughs> A wine glass, if possible. <laughs> so ear ear things, a screen cleaner. We're trying to make it sort of fun uh, just to get something in your hand so that you, you know that, uh, first of all, it's for you. We've done all of this for pet care service providers as business owners. And we really want them to be able to take this time because you've been stressed out. You've been trying to see, is my business going to lift through the next week? Then, you know, am I going to get closed down? Am I going to be able to open my doors? How do I help my pet parents? How do I service their needs? There's been so many questions and such high stress. And I'm hoping that just these three days, these four hours over three days, you'll be able to sit down and say, okay, I'm bringing in things that are going to help me and are going to give me ideas to launch my business again. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Taking that time to invest back in ourselves. Yes. Uh, is, and as you mentioned there, when content is published online in this kind of format, it actually can kind of move at a faster clip than if it was in a brick and mortar place because you don't have those transition times, walking right. from place to place, those kind of things. So do expect that it's going to be pretty fast paced uh, as yes. far as transitions and having all of those things around you, the included wine glass, which sounds amazing, uh, and all of those stuff just... <laughs> to have on hand uh, so that you are prepared for that and, and know and know that going into it. Uh, but yes. on the back end, knowing that all these will be accessible uh, later too. Yes, exactly. So once the floor opens on Monday night, the trade show floor is going to open at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Once that trade show floor opens, that is the beginning of the trade show floor. And that doesn't close till March 31st. And then at two o'clock when the conference starts on Tuesday at two o'clock Eastern time, then as those speakers speak, then all those things at the end of the day become available. So by the end of the week, you will have been on the trade show floor. You've had all those speakers. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, maybe take a break. Monday, go back in and say, okay, now, what did I miss? What do I want to approach first? And now it becomes easier because it's only each session, including Q&A, is 60 minutes. So now it's almost a lunch and learn. So it makes it much easier. And I like that idea of going back to it and and mm-hmm. just revisiting, rechunking away at this stuff and, and right. knowing that that's there. I mean, that's that's really powerful. Yeah, because we are moving at such a fast pace virtually that it, you do need to understand you're going to have to go back in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so all this talk about the conference, uh, remind us when the dates are and how people can go and get registered for it. So the dates are September 29th and 30th and October 1st. That's the actual conference dates. Pre-conference is the 28th. Um, So that's Monday night, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, And you can get registered for conference at petcareconference.com. And if you're an IBPSA member, it's $199. It turns out to be less than $6 a class of education. And if you're a non-member, it's $249. So I encourage you all, if you want to come and you're not a member, to look at membership and how that might benefit you. Absolutely. And, and on that idea of, of membership with IBPSA, other than the virtual conference, how have you guys adapted or added to the new needs of your members uh, in 2020? So the first thing we did right here with the COVID is that we realized right away that we needed to set standards and processes for uh, how you would take care of your staff or yourself um, and interaction with your pet parents. Uh, So we set up a, a little short COVID 
mini program that was free to all of the members where we did some interviews with some veterinarians, with some industry experts, where we talked about what's happening. And it has a downloadable PDF document where it gives you the basics for how you keep yourself and your staff clean and ready to address the care of animals. And for those who have facilities, how they can maintain facility cleanliness at the level they need during this COVID issue. So then the other things we started doing is we started talking about the PPP loan or the EILD loans. And so how did they get those? How did they apply for them? And now we're now we're coming to the other side of that where we're looking for uh, a person who can discuss how you start to get those grants. So now I've got the PPP loan. Now I want that forgiveness. Okay. What is that process? How do you do that? So we're looking for an expert in that field to help us with that. So all things COVID is sort of what we've been trying to do. Also, we went around the United States this year and we went in sections and talked to people about what they were doing in their area of the country as pet care service providers, what things were working, what things were not. We talked about switching some things that you used to do in person to doing them online, such as if you used to do dog training in person in a classroom, why not now do that via Zoom? Because it's real easy for the pet owner and their pet to be on the other side of Zoom and you demonstrate it on your side and then you watch them do it on that side and then make corrections as needed, show them how to make corrections with the pet. So there was a lot of things that we learned we could bring into Zoom world and we could still keep that revenue flowing in. We also talked about what if you delivered a game to your uh, pet owner and at the end of a week, you switched out that game and gave them a new game to use with their pet. And so they would pay a rental fee on that game. And so that keeps you in contact with your pet owner. That keeps revenue coming in. And it's literally a drop off outside the door. So, you know, little things to rethinking how we provide pet care and how much of that pet care now that people are staying home with their pets, how much can we help these people who are staying home with their pets? And we do that virtually. So there was a lot of discussion about how to take things we did normally ourselves and move that virtually and still deliver good service and still bring the revenue in. So that was quite interesting what people were doing. Yeah, no, it, it sounds like everyone was going through this um, scaling process almost of, well, I used yes. to do all of these services by myself in person or with a small team. Mm-hmm. Now, how can I take this and replicate it and make it virtual, make these digital, make these you know, yes. drop-off delivery kind of things? Uh, yes. And I, it's really cool because that that actually sets you up for you know, potentially greater growth or, um, you know, new opportunities down the road. And, and pre-COVID, you know, it was scary to make that shift. But now we've all had to jump right. forward, you know, 10 years or more in, in uh, right. uh, the digital world to, to get to that point. Yes. The other thing that IBPSA really uh, moved quickly on with, uh, I would say, some success across the United States specifically was we reached out to our legislative group and said, we need help uh, reaching out to the governors and saying, pet care service providers are essential services because we're providing care for those frontline workers. If they don't have us available to provide care for their pets, it's going to stress them out. And we heard stories over and over again of doctors and nurses and frontline workers who went to work and they didn't come home for two days. And it was only because they had a pet care provider that they were okay with that because there was nobody home to take care of the pets except for that pet care provider. So we recognized right away that we do provide an essential service for those uh, people that are 
first responders and for those people who still could go to work who weren't shut down. Um, so how do we how do we help them? So we reached out to as many governors as we could, tried to position pet care service providers as essential services. We've had some some failures, but that doesn't stop us. We continue to reach out and say, okay, we've been in this this long. We can see that this long-term impact, not having pet care service providers available is is stressful. You need to put us on the list. We even went to the CDC and had three conversations with them. I think part of the challenge has been when, when a dog or a cat comes down with COVID, it makes the news where it would have never made the news in any other situation, but now it's making the news. And so some fear about how that is transmitted. So we've had some challenges on how do we calm people's fears and say it could happen, but out of all the people who have pets in America, <laughs> <laughs> obviously it's not happening at the capacity we thought it would or could, you know. So so that's that's been our other challenges from the legislative front is having that group of lawyers who can go and help us uh, talk to governors in a way that they understand uh, the need to make us essential workers. Yeah, I mean that 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 conversation feels like that was just ages ago at this point of those initial yes. struggles of who's essential, who's mm-hmm. not essential, how mm-hmm. do we make how do we stay in operation, how do we stay safe? Like thinking about yep. it now, like those were so pivotal in in helping the industry at large to have yes. bring to raise the profile of it ac- across the country. Yes, yes. And I think I think the challenge is because each state can set up their own recommendations. And then, of course, each county um, is following the state recommendations or maybe they are have stricter recommendations based on what's going on. So that that became a challenge also. So uh, but I encourage I encourage all pet care providers to reach out to their city officials, to reach out to their governor, to be proactive on that because they haven't thought about the things you thought about. When we, Here where I live in Las Cruces, New Mexico, when we reached out to the city and we were like, uh, what are all those first responders going to do with their pets? They said, oh, we didn't think about that. You're right. See, they had so many other things to think about. So we had to remind them that we were here and you need to also consider this. (laughs) Well, true. And and that's a reminder of, yes, there are people in charge of people making decisions, but they have a million things to be trying to take into account. And if they don't have somebody with a pet on their advisory board going, hey, how am I going to take care of this? Like, that's so easy to slip through the cracks. So yep, as absolutely. you see as you see problems, as you have questions, as you have concerns, let somebody know about that. Reach out to them and speak up and you know, kind of yes. you know, just let them know where you're coming from. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think I think this, if nothing else, COVID has taught us that as business owners, we need to be very precise in outcomes. When we hire a new employee, what is the what is the outcome I want to see and what's the shortest amount of time I think I should have that outcome? When I am going to invest my money into a new program, what is the outcome I expect for that? And I'm sure I'm going to be able to implement. Then I also think in our relationships with our pet parents, our relationship with other businesses, our relationship with the government and the community and in your state, I think it's what is the outcome I want and how can I make that a win-win for everybody? And so now we've become very targeted in our conversations and what we're offering and what we're willing to spend our money on and who we're willing to give a job to. So I think it has really focused our our movement as business owners. We know it used to be when the money was a little bit better, oh, I'll take care of that next week. Guess mm-hmm. what? 
there may not be next week to take care of that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it has now focused us in and I think we're getting much better in relationship building and understanding what we need to get done in our businesses. Yeah. I, I remember hearing many stories of right at the beginning, all of a sudden people had time or the urgency to start looking back at backlogs of bills or overdue mm-hmm. payments from clients where they, you know, well, it wasn't that important last time because it was only $100 or something. And right. now all of a sudden it was like, Ugh, getting these systems tightened down, taking this yes. time to, to do that and work through those. It's, you're right. It really does show this short-term, long-term thinking and, yes. and trying to be as prepared as possible. Absolutely. And I think I think even though COVID has destroyed our economy for the most part, I think that if we can start to focus on the positive things that COVID made us do as business owners, I think we can see how that will improve us in the future because now we're learning to cut the excess, sticking to things that are profitable, sticking to things that we can do. And because we've started moving some of our services to a virtual platform. I believe that we don't lose those once we have a vaccine. I don't think we stop offering virtual. I think that it's provided us a new way, a new customer, a new way to bring in the money. Yeah. And and that was one of my questions I had for you was kind of these areas of new opportunities, whether that's new mm-hmm. services, new potential markets that mm-hmm. in, in what you, you're seeing as you talk to your members. Yes. So I think when you start to think about I'm providing let's say you're providing a dog training virtually, a basic command, sit, stay, lay down, and you're doing that virtually and you're working with a pet parent. Normally, when you were doing that in a brick and mortar, you were limited to the community in which you lived. Now mm-hmm. that you're offering this virtually, you have the world to, to say, hey, I'm offering online dog training uh, for the, <laughs> to the world. So yeah. now you're outside of the community that you're in and you're building relationships in a different way. And I think also now it's really easy to get on to Zoom and record yourself giving some kind of little educational tip to your clients and putting it on your Facebook page. It's really expanded the opportunity to market yourself as a small business owner and get in front of other communities and people that you would not have if you were not virtually focused at all, right. um, where you just didn't have that push to do that. And I think, too, it's helped in the education of clients that those services are there because everybody has taken this big leap forward where maybe people didn't used to look for dog training online, but now they do. And they're trying to find who they like, who works, what works best for them, and what kind of resources are out there. So we're able to kind of everybody progress, both the the, the business owners and the clients are all kind of taking these steps together. Yes, it does. And, so, and the other thing, it, people know this, but I think they get, sometimes it gets lost in what that really means for business owners. All these families went and adopted all these pets because everybody was home now. Let's get a pet. They adopted those pets. So we've been doing some online stuff, trying to train them, help the pet owners with their pets. And, and so we have all these pets. But eventually, remember, when we get the vaccine, People are going to start to go back to work. Now, what are we doing as business owners to prepare for that? Because when those people start to go back to work, those pets have been home with these people now for, let's say, six months, nine months, maybe as long as a year. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to be looking for that pet care provider. So my question to pet care providers out there is, what are you doing now to prepare for when the vaccine's done? And people go back to work. 
What do you need to be doing now to prepare for that? Because that's going to increase, again, that's going to increase your revenue. That's going to increase your reach. That's going to increase your influence capability. So we can't just stop and say, okay, I'll just wait till we get back. We have to prepare now for when we do. That's one thing we've learned with the grooming. Once people were released to go back to work a little bit across the United States, people needed groomers. Their dogs hadn't been groomed in forever. And so grooming was like the number one thing. It just shot through the roof on a virtual searches. Where's a groomer? So, yeah. <laughs> so then, then we saw doggy daycares and overnight boarding and pet sitting coming back up, but not as much as grooming did. So if we see that at this point, imagine what it'll be like when the vaccine's out and there's freedom once again to move about. There's going to be a lot of things happening and we need to think about that. How are we going to provide services when that comes? Not if, but when that vaccine hits. Yeah, I know the grooming thing. I mean, our our poor dog, Kobe, yeah, he was needing a, a groom right before COVID hit. And then he got really long. And it was one of those things. As soon as there was even a little bit opening, we were like, we got to get him in. We got to get this done. And we were so thankful for, for the ones that, you know, we're, we're still providing the service in a safe and, and uh, yep. responsible manner yes. because they were there and they could meet our needs. And it was just a big weight of, off of our shoulders, I know. And, and our yes. clients too, being able to recommend them that too. But yeah, looking for those opportunities and staying alert to um, you know certain requests that you're getting or what you're hearing yes. of other requests, and that makes it even more important to be part of a, a larger pet sitting community and pet care provider yes. uh, network, so that you can have access to that kind of information. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think also um, as you as pet care providers, as you're moving forward to next year for 2021, all the education you're getting for yourself. You need to turn around and talk about that with your clients. You need to talk about that on Facebook. You need to tweet about that. You need to, if you have a website, you need to put it on your website page. If you have a blog, you need to do that. If you do a newsletter, you need to put it in there. I went and I got this education and this would it, this is what it means for you. And so I'm looking to see you in 2021 and on the way there before the vaccine comes out, here's all the things you need to do to prepare to start asking your pet sitter to come in or your groom to come into the house or your dog walker or your boarding facility, what things you're going to have to do to get that done. So I think we start educating the pet owning community on what they need to do before they go back to work themselves. And so that then again, brings that, makes you the pet professional and they're going to come seeking you for other things that they're going to need. Right. It's really centering you as a wonderful resource, as the resource yes. that, that people can reach out to. Because as you mentioned, like, right. just because things open up doesn't mean people are going to be comfortable going out and doing things. So how do we help them right. be more comfortable? By letting yep. them know what we're doing, the education that we've had, the processes that we have in place. Reduce yes. that barrier to entry as low as possible by helping educate and talking about it. Yes. And, and that will allow that process to happen a lot faster. It will. It will. And because you you as pet professionals have been out there talking in the community, they're going to remember your name. And so they're going to come to you first. So to me, this is the perfect opportunity to build your reputation in a new and different way and really reach out to the pet owning community and advertise who you are, what you're doing, education that you've had, how you're protecting yourself when you're interacting with other pets, how you're protecting those pets, multiple opportunities to have little short comments, little short statements, little short educational moments, five sentences. 
You know, it doesn't have to be extravagant. It doesn't have to be big. It's just constant feeding of that information about this is what's happening and people will start to follow you. And that'll be a great opportunity in 2021 for you. Right. Those are really some some great moves that we can be doing now to set ourselves up for success moving forward. Yes, yes absolutely. If somebody isn't a member of IVPSA, why, why should they consider it? And then how can people become a member? So I think that when it comes to pet care service providers, IBPSA is focused on you as a business owner. Do you have your business set up in a way that it's going to be profitable? Have you given yourself all the education and knowledge you need to set up your business correctly? What about your marketing? All the little things that come into your business. What does your website look like? What are you doing on your Facebook page? How are you positioned on Google? All these things um, come and affect your bottom line as a business owner. And I don't believe that any of us. Um, No matter what our industry is, can say, oh, I've got it. I'm done. I don't need any more education. I don't need any help. I think that that's the first step into failure. I think that we always need to be saying, what is the thing I need to be learning? How can I improve? We sort sort of look at your business with that SWAT, as we call it, strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. You need to be doing that all the time. What is my strength? What are my weaknesses? What are some threats? But then what are some opportunities that those threats may bring me? And so if we're always using that, then we're always looking for the next thing. IBPSA is out there as the leader saying, we believe this is where the industry is going. And so we want to help you manage that through the life cycle of your business from the time you open your doors all the way through the exit planning. So that's our focus. We do have education courses for employees. Um, we have species education courses specifically, uh, canine, feline, avian, small mammal exotics, including rabbits, guinea pigs. We just finished a reptile program that was built for us by a reptile society out of California. We've not brought it to market yet, but for those who have reptiles that they take care of, we've got the most popular reptiles in America and how do you take care of them for your clients. So we've also partnered with Jamie Migdahl at FetchFind in her education. So IBPSA members who join at the premium membership level, which is $402 a year, they get all a FetchFind curriculum for free. And all of their employees get it for free also. So we thought that was a real value added to, there's 100 100 plus courses there uh, and there's short videos to choose from with some downloadable PDF documents that make it easy for things like, if I'm a groomer, what do I need to carry on my belt? If I'm doing daycare, what do I need to carry on my belt? If I'm a pet sitter, what things should I have in my little bag, my go bag? So all those kinds of things help to educate the industry. So we feel that we've done our best to help business owners and their employees. Also, we're setting standards and we have a full-time legislative group that works for us and that's included in your membership. And if any of you've ever tried to go out and talk to a legislature for your industry and you thought, oh, I'll hire a lawyer, you know, you started about $10,000 and it works up from there. So right away, having having IBPSA on the legislative side is a big help. So our lowest cost is $302 a year. That's a membership 
for your business. So you're listed in an online directory. You have access to um, educate, or we do free webinars every month. So you have access to free webinars. We have three years of webinars and there are about 80 hours of education that's free to you that you can go back and look at. Uh, we try to update those every few years. We try to update education to keep that smooth flowing um, keep it con- consistently fresh. Then um, we have certifications, which I talked about the species certification. Those are extra. They are a $75 a class. And then you get a certificate of completion for that. We have a free online COVID class that you can take where you can get a certificate saying I've passed this class. We offer that broke down that $302. We offer that as a quarterly membership. So when you go to the website, ibpsa.com, you can choose quarterly or yearly for the $302, which is a regular membership, or the premium membership at $402, which gets you all that fetch buying curriculum for free. So we have that there. And you can also get that at a quarterly rate. I hope I, that's easy enough and simple enough. Once you join IBPSA, you get a certificate of membership. We also, every month, you get a little free something in your email box from IBPSA to help you as a small business owner. Yeah, it's it's the community, it's the access to information, it's access yes. to just a huge and vast amount of resources too that you now have at your yes. disposal. Yes, we have a private Facebook page for all of our members. So once you become a member, you can join the private Facebook page. Um, and that is the place to go to ask questions. And uh, it doesn't matter what the question is. There's going to be people who are going to have all kinds of answers for you. And the great thing is we all get to learn. If there's a new challenge out there, we all learn from that from that right. private Facebook page. Yeah, no, that that's really cool. And uh, Carmen, I really thank you so much for coming on today, taking time out of your schedule to sit down with us and and talk through some of the struggles that the industry is facing and yes. uh, the, the, uh, the optimism that you have for the future and all those opportunities out there too. So once again, thank you for coming on. Thank you, Colin. It's been my pleasure to talk to you and your listeners. Like Carmen said, I hope you were able to take some time out of your schedule to sit down and reinvest in yourself, whether that's through the education, whether that's through the networking, or whether that's going out on the showroom floor and being able to see what products and services are out there this year. Take a few moments to give yourself that or give your employees that opportunity. And then there's that one big question that Carmen threw out there. What are we doing right now to prepare ourselves for when things open back up, when that vaccine becomes more readily available? That's a big, scary question. And the answer isn't the same for everybody, even within the same kind of niche. It's unique to your business, your location, and what your goals are for the future. But spending some time right now thinking about that, getting in touch with others, bouncing ideas off of each other is the best way to do that. And do some experimenting. Reach out to your customers. Reach out to your current clients to see what they would like, what kind of services they might look for in the future to stay on top of that and to always be adaptable as we all have been in 2020. That's just a big word for this year. Adapt. That's all what we're doing. And that's what we're going to have to continue to do as we move forward. And that's not a bad thing. That puts ourselves in a wonderful position to be able to take advantage of new opportunities as they come along. 
You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram at Petsitter Confessional and check out our website, PetsitterConfessional.com. You can see our entire back catalog of old episodes and see all the resources that we've been compiling from recommendations from pet sitters and pet care providers like you. If you have questions, comments, or particular feedback, or maybe would like to tell your story and things that you've learned along the way, get in touch with us at feedback at PetsitterConfessional.com. Until next time, 